Bibles and turn to John chapter 20, please. John chapter 20. direct your attention this morning to verse 19, John chapter 20 and verse 19, follow along as I read. The Bible says, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, peace be unto you. Now again, our context is that Christ has been crucified, He was buried, and last week we considered how He interacted with Mary after He rose from the grave. The disciples uh, were told of this. Jesus told Mary, verse 19, um, or excuse me, verse 18 says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that He had spoken these things under her. And so Mary comes back and tells the disciples. And then there's this new thought. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it in my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. This passage is considered by many and it's called, because, because of Thomas's situation, it's been called the Doubting Thomas text. And <clears throat> I want to focus in <clears throat> mainly on him this morning and this issue of doubt. Doubt is something that, that we all face at various times in life. And, you know, as a younger man uh, who is a, a particular kind of personality. He might be carefree. He might be, you know, uh, doesn't worry about anything, doesn't doubt about anything. Let's just go do it. We'll deal with the issues later. And then as you get older and into adulthood and you become an old man, you can start to worry 
and start to doubt about a lot of different things. But it doesn't matter at what stage you are or what personality you are. I think doubt at times is something that we all face in life. Doubt is defined as hesitation or to waver or to fluctuate in opinion, to be uncertain in regard to a truth or fact. And that really does describe doubt pretty well, to be uncertain or to fluctuate, to waver. And doubt carries with it an attitude of apprehension, like I'm uncertain, but sometimes it carries with it an attitude of fear. And in my doubt, I fear for something. And, and I think that, that we're all, uh, maybe guilty is not the right word, but we all experience that at some time in our life because it's within our nature. When it comes to spiritual things, though, it's impossible to have genuine faith in God and doubt Him at the same time. Those two don't exist on the same plane because, and there might be a momentary, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, you remember the father who had the demon-possessed son and the disciples couldn't cast him out. And Jesus came along and Jesus said, do you believe? He said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. That's something that's a little bit different. We'll talk about that in a, in a little bit. But the, the reason why doubt or, uh, and, and genuine faith in God don't and can't exist on the same plane is because one will actually overcome the other. <clears throat> and when we allow doubt to grow and to remain in our life, it will take control of our lives. And we begin to assume the worst in every situation. Have you known people like that? They have a catastrophic mindset. They assume the worst in every situation about everything. Um, that's what ends up happening when doubt begins to control your mind and your life. Physical doubt is one thing, and physical doubt is bad enough, but spiritual doubt can destroy you. As Christians, uh, God doesn't want us to live on that plane. And if that is something that is an issue in our life, God wants us to rid our lives of doubt and replace it with faith. Because as a child of God, God wants us to live and to walk by faith. And it's possible to actually be victorious and live a victorious life in Christ, free of doubt. And our text reveals how these disciples responded in a very difficult situation in their life. But it also highlights for us one disciple in particular and his response. And that disciple was Thomas. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Thomas wasn't there. And Thomas said, except I see and touch, I won't believe. And so you see the different responses. And for 2,000 years, Thomas <laughs> has been known as Doubting Thomas. You could say he's gotten some bad press. He was given that name. He was given the name Doubting Thomas because of his response. And he's, Thomas has often been portrayed as a, a man who is filled with doubt and fear. But I wonder, I wonder if Thomas's primary problem wasn't his doubting. But maybe, it may be, and it seems like this might be true, 
maybe Thomas was actually the type of person who was a negative person. And what I mean by that, he would have been the, the kind of a glasses half empty kind of a guy, the kind who seemed to always look for the negative side of every situation. He was the kind of person who probably was always on the lookout for the dark side of things. And so his perception and his mind was geared that way. And it caused him to not respond in the right things. But he also was a man who had some admirable qualities about him too, though. Because I, I, I believe Thomas actually loved the Lord. I believe Thomas was really devoted to the Lord. He was, just, he was experiencing some trouble, some hard things in his life. And ultimately, Thomas was transformed. Ultimately, his mind was changed by the Lord himself. And we're going to see that the Lord is the answer for our doubts and our fears. And so we're going to find some truths that we can hold on to in our own life uh, when we are seeking deliverance from doubt. And so we're going to go that direction with this text this morning. Let's pray and then we'll begin. Lord, I pray that you would help us today with your word. Lord, that you'd help us to understand it. And Lord, that you'd encourage our hearts with these truths. They're blessed truths. And I'm so thankful for Jesus Christ and his graciousness and the, the grace that he showed to Thomas, the grace that you show in my life. Lord, I'm so thankful for you, and I pray, Lord, that you'd encourage our hearts and, and help us to grow in our faith and our love for Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. First of all, I want to point your attention to verses 19 through 23, and before we talk about Thomas, I want to talk about the, the benefits of devotion. The benefits of devotion. Let's read these verses again, and you're going to see uh, some things about the disciples, some things that they benefited from because they were devoted to the Lord. The Bible says then the same day, so this is, this is Sunday, this is the first day of the week. The Bible says, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. When we consider the context, and we consider what's happening in the disciples' life, you, you would agree that this probably was a very difficult time for the disciples. Because the one that they had followed, Jesus, the one that they had believed in, the one that they had trusted in to be the Messiah, and in their minds, remember, they were thinking the Messiah is going to be this conquering king, and he's going to, he's going to deliver us from Roman oppression and so on. He's going to restore the kingdom, and the Messiah would do all of those things. That's not the purpose for which Jesus came initially. But in their mind, they hadn't grasped everything yet. And so the one that they had... Uh, given their life to and believed in and followed had died and he was buried. You can understand their situation in life. They had, they had witnessed the trial that Jesus was exposed to, the cruel scourging, the crucifixion. The Lord had died. Their, their world essentially was turned upside down and torn apart. And certainly there were more questions for them than answers. 
at this particular point. And maybe they question, why did Jesus die? Why had he not restored the kingdom like the Messiah is supposed to do? Is he really the Messiah? What, what was, what would hap, what's going to happen to us without Jesus? And the Bible says they were assembling for fear of the Jews. They're thinking, we're next. They're coming after us. Kind of a, kind of a thing. And yet, in their confusion, when they saw the Lord... They, they were immediately devoted to Him. They were still devoted to the Lord. And as they gathered, they were gathering for a reason, because there was a sense of excitement in the air, no doubt. Because remember, Mary had come and told the disciples all the things that the Lord had said to her. She's like, I've seen the Lord, and this is what He has said to me. And so there's some excitement in the air because of these reports that Jesus is alive. And maybe they're thinking, could it be that all hope isn't exactly lost? Had Jesus really risen from the dead like he said? They were, they were about to receive far more than they ever imagined. They were about to be rewarded for their faith because Jesus is about to stand in the midst of them. And you know what? We have the same opportunity to obtain benefits from the Lord as well, if we keep ourselves in a position to receive them. The benefits that we have are not found in the world. The benefits are found in Christ. The benefits are found being assembled together with God's people in, in, a, in a place where the, where the Lord wants to meet with us. So I want to look at some of these benefits that these devoted disciples enjoyed. First of all, they enjoyed the Lord's presence. Verse 19 tells us that Jesus stood in the midst of them. Jesus stood in the midst of them, and they enjoyed the presence of the Lord. As they were gathered behind these closed doors, Jesus came and stood in the middle of them. And this wasn't a dream. It was the Lord Himself. He was really there, and their hope was revived again as they saw Jesus for themselves. And Jesus said, look, it's me. Here's my hand. Here's my side. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the Lord's presence in my life. I like it when Jesus is in the midst. Amen? Philippians 4, 5 says, Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. And we, we studied this out in when we were studying through Philippians, that word moderation is talking about composure in the middle of trial, in the middle of hard things in life, in the middle of, and it's in the context of be anxious for nothing. Don't be fearful over anything uh, in, in life. Why? And then he says, let your moderation or your composure be known. Why? Because the Lord is at hand. The Lord is right there. What do we have to fear? We can be composed in, in the middle of life trial when the Lord is there, when the Lord's presence is there. And again, we're talking about Thomas. We're going to talk about Thomas who, who missed out on the presence of the Lord because he wasn't with the disciples. Hebrews 13.5 tells us, For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's the promise of the Lord. And if there's ever been a time when we need the Lord's presence, it's today. It's now. 
We won't find His presence among the world. We won't find His presence anywhere out there. But we do find His presence right here. In the house of God. In the place of God. If you desire the Lord's presence, you know what? You need to seek it at the house of God. Amen? He desires to be in the midst. They enjoyed the Lord's presence. They enjoyed the Lord's peace. Verse 19 also says that Jesus said unto them, Peace be unto you. As Jesus entered that room, He said, Peace be unto you. Can you imagine how they must have felt? With all of this, their world completely upside down, their hopes and dreams gone. He's he's dead, he's buried in a tomb. And then there's a report that he's alive and they're gathered together for fear of the Jews and all of a sudden Jesus is standing in front of them and he says, peace be unto you. Can you imagine how they must have felt? I think it's hard for us sometimes um, to really get it when we don't actually live through it. You know? Um, our own evangelist, Noah George, I was just sharing with some of the men this morning and even before the 11 o'clock hour. He, he, I would, I'll tell you about it later. Don't let me forget. I'll tell you about it later. But he mentioned this morning some, some prayer requests that are really serious. And they're, they're kind of heavy. And, and you think about what these people are going through because they want to follow after Christ. And we don't, we don't live that way. We don't get it. Because we don't, we don't feel it the same as they do. And sometimes we forget to pray. Because we're going about our life. We're going about our things. And it's the next Sunday rolls around and it's mentioned, oh yeah, we need to pray for them. But they're living every day in such a situation. And I, I was telling the men, I'm, like, I'm asking the Lord to burden my heart for these people to com- be compelled to pray for them. Because, because I don't get it. I don't feel it like they feel it. And we can read passages like this. And you can just imagine how they must have felt when the Lord stood in front of them and said, Peace be unto you. Let me just make the application here. Because these disciples were fearful and afraid, they were unsure of what the future would hold. But aren't you glad that we have the opportunity to have the peace of the Lord for ourselves too? Like, we can be uncertain about future. We can be fearful. There's, there's times when I don't know what to do. And there's times when doubt actually fills my mind because I'm uncertain. But you know what? When the Lord shows up and the Lord comes and the Lord ministers peace to your soul, it brings comfort into the life. And we have that privilege, that benefit, if we're devoted to Christ. The Lord can give real peace. And when our lives are in turmoil and doubt creeps in, where do we need to go? We need to look to the Lord to calm the storm. How often do we take advantage of that? And how often do we wallow in doubt and fear? When we have this resource there, they experience the Lord's presence. They experience the Lord's peace. But they also experience the Lord's provision. In verse 20, And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, 
he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Here's the Lord's provision. And if any of these men hadn't quite gotten the message yet, at this point, any doubt that remained probably was removed from them. As Jesus steps in front of them and He reveals His hands and His side, and it's really Jesus, and He's really alive, and then Jesus says, I'm going to give you something. And He gives us His Spirit. Jesus gave them exactly what they needed to settle them and encourage them so that they could have confidence in moving forward with what God had given them to do. And you know what? You look on ahead in the Scriptures and you find that this changed these men for good. Because you read in the book of Acts, they're not cowering in fear in a room anymore. In the book of Acts, they're standing and boldly preaching Jesus Christ insomuch that the, the Pharisees, the ones that they were afraid of, the Jews, they, they called them and they're, they're going to beat them and say, don't speak anymore in His name. And they said, we can't help but speak the things that we've seen and heard. We're going to please God. It changed them from these who were walking in fear to those who were bold with truth. What a powerful testimony of the provision of Christ. And you know what? There's nothing any better for a fearful heart than a fresh glimpse of Jesus Christ, amen, and who He is. You know what? I've not seen Jesus with my physical eyes, but I have known Him in my life, and He's revealed Himself in my life. And you know what? The world may be dark, and the ungodly may rage out there, but we serve a risen Lord. He lives. He's already conquered all that Satan can bring forth. And when times of doubt come, consider the cross. Consider the empty tomb. Remember His promise to come again. We have no reason to walk around in fear or a doubt when we belong to the Lord. And then Jesus gave of His power Jesus knew He would soon ascend back to heaven, but He wasn't going to leave them comfortless. He wasn't going to leave them alone without hope. And Jesus said earlier in John, I will not leave you comfortless. When the Comforter has come, I'm going to send Him unto you. And they would soon have the power of God dwelling in them through the Holy Ghost. Let me just ask a question. Are you a child of God this morning? Are you saved? You can answer that in your own heart. Yes, I know I am. If that's true, you have the Holy Spirit living within you as well. We have the power of God dwelling within us constantly. And you know, life is hard. Life can be heavy. It can be weighty. It can weigh us down. But the power of God and the grace of God is greater than the problems. But how often do we live like the problems are bigger than the Lord? That's when we doubt, and that's when we fear, and that's when we struggle. When the problems are bigger than the Lord. The catastrophic mindset. Oh no, the worst of everything. When the Lord wants us to live in a place of peace, a place of His power, a place of His presence, 
And the closer we walk to the Lord, the greater the fullness we experience of those things. I'm so thankful we can look to Him in times of doubt. We can claim His promises. Amen. These were benefits that the disciples experienced. The presence of the Lord. The peace of the Lord. The the provision and the power of the Lord. Because the Lord came and stood in the midst of them. But then I want you to notice the burden of doubt. So we see the blessing of devotion. But we notice the burden of doubt. Look at verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the prints of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Here's the burden of doubt. And just as there are benefits associated with devotion to Christ, doubt brings a heavy burden because it robs us of our peace, it robs us of our joy, and it robs us of our confidence in the Lord Himself. Notice the burden of doubt in Thomas's life. Doubt brought deception to him. Verse 25, the Bible says here that After eight days, again his disciples, excuse me, that's verse 26, verse 25, the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. Doubt brought deception into his life. The the other disciples here told Thomas about seeing the Lord. Now here's his friends, here's his fellow uh, servants, those that he knows, those that he, he loves, that he's walked with, that he's experienced all these things with, and all of them are saying, Thomas, we've seen the Lord. But he said, I'm not going to believe. Can you imagine? You know, your close personal friends. All of us are together and we're trying to tell you, Bob, Bob, like this is a true thing, Bob. What, how would you respond? How would you, how would you, I know these men, I trust these men. Uh, you know, I, I, I've walked with them. I know that they're hard and, and I know the Lord and I love the Lord. And we're all saying, you got to believe this. But he said, you're all lying. You're all dreaming. I won't believe unless I see He said, unless I see the Lord myself and touch with my hands, I won't believe. Thomas likely wondered if all that he had heard was true. Was Jesus really the Messiah? Could he really believe all that Christ has said? In those days after the crucifixion, there's no question that Thomas was doubting. And in his doubt, Thomas allowed circumstance, or we could even say Satan, to deceive him. A seed of doubt will always question the authority of the Lord. Think about it. A seed of doubt will always question the authority of the Lord. And haven't we all been there at times? Haven't there been times when we've doubted in our, and, and not had faith? 
Is God really there? Does God not see or understand what I'm going through? Does God not care? Like these trials are heavy and the burden is heavy and I look at these circumstances and I just, I don't like what's going on in my life and I want something different. Does God even know? Does He even care? Hopefully you're not falling asleep here. But I know that these are things from in my own life. Burdens can be heavy and we can feel that way. And seeds of doubt cause us to question the authority of the Lord. Thomas said, except I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of those nails and except I thrust my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe. Thomas made some demands here. He made a demand to see the nail prints and thrust his hand in Jesus' side in order for him to believe. Thomas was no longer walking by faith at this point, but by sight. And it appears that Thomas was almost ready to abandon his faith. You know, Satan likes to use that tactic today too. Plant the seed of doubt. Hath God really said, remember what he did to Eve? The serpent did eat. Did God really say that? And there are people who demand physical proof in order to believe. Do you know what? There are things about the, the, the Christianity and about Jesus Christ that I can't explain, that, 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 that I can't provide physical proof for for you. I can't explain the virgin birth. It's, it's a miracle of God. It's supernatural. I can't explain how... A man could die and he could raise himself from the dead. I can't necessarily explain that in physical proof. It's supernatural. I can't explain how Jesus can take a person's heart that is full of sin and change it forever. That was me. I can't explain it. It's a miracle of God. And even though I can't explain it, I believe it. Amen. I believe it's true. And if we aren't careful, if we aren't careful, doubt can bring deception, causing us to question the Lord Himself. And see, with doubt and without the Lord, it only brings something into our life that's negative. And it brings despair. And that's what happened to Thomas. We saw that doubt brought deception. Secondly, I want you to see that doubt brought despair into Thomas's life. Look at verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Now Thomas, the Bible says, wasn't assembling together with the disciples. Do you remember the benefits of devotion when dealing with doubt. They enjoyed the Lord's presence. They enjoyed the Lord's peace. They enjoyed the Lord's power and His provision. Thomas missed out on all of those things because he wasn't there. Now, we don't know why Thomas wasn't there. 
and he's gotten a bad rap down through the years for sure. And I'm not going to be dogmatic as to why Thomas wasn't there. And the reason for that is because many times I'm no better. And neither are you. I think it takes far less to create doubt in my mind, in my heart, than it even did for Thomas. And many times when trouble comes into our life, one of the first things that people want to do is, is skip out on church. Or other times when people are just so busy in their life, the thing that they want to do is skip out on church. And the problem is, this is the place where the Lord's presence is. This is the place where the Lord's power and the Lord's provision is. And it might just be that whatever trial you've got going on in your life, whatever the burden is, that the Lord is going to bring the very thing that you need right then. But you weren't here. Thomas wasn't there. And sometimes that's the first thing that happens with people is that they decide that they're going to skip out on church. And if we ever need the Lord at any, other, at any time, it's now. We need Him in times of trouble. We need Him in times of trial. Amen? Thomas's doubt, and why wasn't he there? Well, I don't know exactly why, but I imagine that it's because he was feeling hopeless. I imagine it's because he was doubting whether this was really true or not. I imagine that he was pretty down. He had heard. Mary came and told the disciples that Jesus is alive. Why wasn't he there? I don't know. But I imagine it's because he was hurting. And I imagine it's because he was down. And Thomas's doubt hindered him from being in the Lord's presence. He missed what Jesus had for him. And you know what? When, 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 when that sort of thing happens in our life as well, listen, we will never regain what we miss that the Lord had particularly for us today. God may have sent exactly what we needed. And it's important for us. To, to, it's important for us to be in the house of God, to be where the Lord is. Amen? You know what? You can't blame other people for your own unfaithfulness. You can't blame other people. I don't like what that person said or did, and I'm. you can't do that. Doubt's going to rob you and defeat you. Doubt is going to be the thing that deceives you, and ultimately doubt is going to bring despair into our life. But there is hope. And I want you to notice this last part, the beauty of discovery. There's hope. There's hope in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 27. Verse 26, And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, he points him out, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. And reach hither thy hand, and thrust it in my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they 
that have not seen and yet have believed. You know what? I'm glad that we serve a merciful Savior. Amen? Aren't you glad for the mercy of God? Jesus came again. After eight days, Jesus comes again into the midst of the disciples, and the Bible says that Thomas was there this time. And it was then that Thomas made a discovery that forever changed his life. Now I want you to notice the gracious and merciful Savior we have. Because in verse 27, it shows us that Thomas's fellowship was restored. Verse 27, Jesus says to him, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it in my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Here Jesus comes, and he highlights Thomas, and he points Thomas out. The Lord came, and he called him by name. And he got to see, and he got to touch the Lord. The very things that he was saying before, unless I see and unless I touch, I'm not going to believe. Jesus came. Maybe the record doesn't tell us that the disciples went to the Lord ever and said, Thomas said these things. No, he just knew. And so when Jesus came and he called him by name, he says, Thomas, I know what's going on in your life. Here it is. Here's my side. Here's my hand. Come touch it. And I'm simply saying this. Because of the graciousness and the mercy of Jesus Christ, Thomas had the opportunity for his fellowship to be restored with Jesus. Doubt will hinder our fellowship. But when doubt is removed, we can come nigh to the Lord again. And the Lord desires us to walk with Him. The Lord desires us to be near Him. The Lord desired Thomas. That's why He came and He called him. But then in verse 28, we see that his faith was renewed. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. What a statement. Upon seeing Jesus, Thomas identified him as my Lord and my God. You know what the word Lord means? It means master. Thomas was recognizing the deity of Jesus Christ and he was identifying himself as the servant of Jesus Christ. My Lord and my God. He was declaring his faith that Jesus is the one. You know what? You can't draw near to the Lord and focus on Jesus in faith, but still continue on in doubt. We all have those seasons of doubt in our life. But if we can get our eyes back on the Lord Jesus Christ, our faith can be renewed and strengthened. And the question is, have you looked at the Lord lately? He's not changed. He's still all that we need and so much more. And how is it with you today? Has doubt clouded your view of just how big God is? Has doubt clouded your view of the power of Jesus Christ? Has life brought a trial that you fear you can't overcome or that you'll never gain victory over? Jesus said, 
Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Doubt is something that we all face at various times in life. And doubt carries an attitude of apprehension and fear. Sometimes we can live in those places of doubt where the Lord doesn't want us to live. And you know what? There are some times when we can be like, as I was saying, that father in Mark chapter 9 who had that demon-possessed son. The Bible says in Mark 9.23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. We can be in that situation sometimes where we're struggling. Lord, I do believe in you. I need your help. And when we allow doubt to grow and to remain, it eventually takes control over life. And again, we begin to assume the worst in every situation. And the Lord doesn't want us to live that way. Spiritual doubt will destroy us. And God wants us to live in a place of victory. Amen? Thomas doubted in the beginning. But when the Lord came, Thomas was transformed because of Jesus. And may the Lord help us to learn to live and to walk by faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd encourage and challenge us with these truths today. We love you. Thank you for your grace, your mercy to us. And in our frailties and in our sinful frame, the Bible says the Lord knoweth our frame. He remembers our frame. He knows that we're dust. We're prone to wander. We're prone to fail. We're prone to be faithless. And Jesus' encouragement to Thomas was, be, be not faithless. Believe. Jesus' encouragement to that father was, if thou canst believe, all things are possible. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be people who live and walk by faith. We can get so messed up and bogged down with tedious things and get bogged down in life and have the wrong outlook and the wrong view. We can be depressed. We can be discouraged. And what we need is to have a fresh glimpse of Christ and enjoy the presence of the Lord and the peace of the Lord. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us today to live and walk by faith, to be those kinds of people, transformed like Thomas. And accomplish your purpose as you work in hearts. And Lord, I'm not certain what you may have for us today. But Lord, I pray that there would be a tender response to you. In Jesus' name, amen.